Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Hey man, well, you know, as, as we dive into uh, to this series, uh, we're going to lighten it up a little bit because I was caught in a storm, but nothing like the Bahamas. In fact, this storm that I was caught in uh, was a pretty average storm or an average day in the great state of Montana, where uh, this year I got sponsored to go on a pastor's retreat. It's a health retreat where they go and we kind of get reju- rejuvenated. Um, they go as far as to take all of our blood as pastors. They run our adrenals and just because we're running so hard all the time, they want to make sure that we're healthy. And it was, it was just an incredible time, a group of pastors from all across the nation. And, uh, and one of the things that we got to do was go fishing on the Bighorn River, fly fishing. Now, now fly fishing is, I've never done it in my life. But the river was just gorgeous. I mean, it was just so pretty. And, uh, and so the, the day that we went out, I partnered with another pastor and our, our guide that would take us out onto the river. He said, hey, listen, a storm is coming in. So we can fish for a certain amount of time, but at some point we're going to want to get off the water because you just never know. Now, these boats that we're in, they don't have, they're not motorized. We're rowing in the river. Like, people die in this river. Like, it's, it's a real river, not a stream, right? And so we're like, yeah, no, no worries. Just, let's go. And so, so we're out on the river, and, and it starts to get a little overcast. The, the red flags, the warnings are, are happening, right? You feel a couple of sprinkles. A little bit of sun, a little bit of cloud. So our guy who lives there, he says, hey, man, this thing can creep on us in, in any moment. And we're like, come on, man, let's just keep fishing. We never know when we're going to be here again. And, uh, I mean, this is like a prime spot to go fishing. And so, so we're like, no, let's just kind of push it a little bit. He's like, man, I really kind of think we should get back. And, and so finally we started to make our way back, uh, but then it hit. And it just happens so fast. It's so pretty, just like this. And the next thing you know, like a cloud covers and the wind just picks up. Let me show you. So this was the beginning of it. And it pushed us like up into the bank of the tree. Now you can see from this photo, we are almost to the ramp. But here's the deal. If we go past that ramp, we're headed like nine miles down the river. Like there's no turning back. You can't get off. So the God was like, we have to get off here. And uh, so it started to pick up. But then it went from just a little bit of wind, and then it transitioned to this. Let me show you. <laughs> That's me laughing at my buddy. Out here my Montana. Some hail. So it starts hailing. And golf ball, like, like the size of golf balls. And so me and the guide, I said, man, I'm just going to run for it to the truck. So we just decided to take the hits. It's like getting shot with paintballs, like over and over and over. But my buddy, we couldn't find him. And so we're in the truck. We're driving, looking for him. And we see him hunkered down right here in shorts, just getting pelted. It's kind of funny. You go up the first day with all these pastors. We're all mature. And then by the end of the, the week, it's like a youth retreat. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's so fun. But in a moment's time, we found ourselves caught in a storm. Now, I think all of us know how it feels to find ourselves with opportunity before us, but yet there's a ton of red flags that we can see that are being highlighted that for some reason we just don't pay attention to. Come on, anybody ever been there where you're making decisions despite, in spite of the red flags, you're just going for it? Like, like maybe you were dating one time and everybody was saying, no, parents, family, friends, run. But you're like, no, I see opportunity. Like, it's just, it's like no, that's not the right opportunity. It's red flags. Or some of us, some of us we, we have, we have uh, ventured out onto um, some business ventures that, that might have went south. And it might have been a good opportunity, but you knew that the red flags were there. But you saw the opportunity, and so you just thought, man, if I could just lay a hold of this, and you ignored all the warning signs, and it went south. Right, making it a little bit closer to home, I think many of us have overcommitted ourselves at times when we knew um, that we really don't have the capacity, the time, or the space, but because there was an opportunity, we said yes even though we should have said no, and then we found ourselves in a storm, pulling out our hair, trying to figure out how are we going to get through this. Right? Some of us, we, we just have found ourselves in moments where we want to get somewhere or get something, 
And there's so many warnings on the journey, but we just keep driving. Now, now to be honest, man, a lot of times I'm that guy. Because, you know, you just think, I can make it. I can do it. Push the envelope. It's kind of wired uh, inside of me uh, to where I'm just prone sometimes uh, in in different scenarios. Sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's not so good. um, Because there's this thought, man, I, I see opportunity. I see something special. But then sometimes it's not a good opportunity. Right? Like, like maybe there's an opportunity to gossip, and you're like, I know I shouldn't do this. And the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do it. And you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear them up. Here we go. And you just let it out. And then there's a ton of consequences that fall your way. Sometimes it's just it's bad timing. It's a great opportunity, but there's just some bad timing. But nevertheless, we know how it feels to be doing life and then find ourselves caught in a storm, no matter how big or how small, sometimes as a result of our own decisions, sometimes as a result of decisions of others. Hello, somebody. How many of you guys have ever been in a storm because of somebody else's bad decisions? But then sometimes, sometimes it's not a result of anybody's decision. It's just the fact that we live in a broken, fractured world as a result of sin. And so we, we, we live in, 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 a, in a world where there's disease, where there's... There, there's turbulence, there's trouble. Sometimes it has nothing to do with our decisions. It's just, it's just part of this life. And it's painful. It's, it's tough when you're, when, you, when you're caught in the midst of a storm, especially when you don't know what to do. It's the worst. You find yourself in a storm and, and you think like you can navigate storms when you're not in one. And then you find yourself in one. You're like, oh, yeah, what's going on? And I don't know what to do. And, and, and I think as, as, I was, as I was, the Lord had impressed this passage on my heart, I, I think it's so perfect because if anybody knows what it's like to be in a storm or to have a multiplicity of storms enter your life, it's the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul, if you are new to church, listen, if you're, new to, if you're brand new to church, man, we're so grateful that you're here. And, uh, man, just kick back, relax, and hopefully God speaks to you and you might get some more clarity on, on how to navigate storms in your life. But let me give you a little background on the Apostle Paul. So this guy was a, a, a persecutor of Christians. Like, he was a religious leader, but he hated Christianity. He had this incredible encounter with Jesus. God completely transformed his life, and he spent the remainder of his life moving the mission of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, forward to all the world. But, but when you look at Paul's life, I mean, as grand as that sounds, you know that somebody is familiar with trials when Jesus starts off with these words in regards to Paul's ministry. Jesus says this, I, I want to show Paul how much he must suffer for my namesake. Like, how would you like to, to start off on that note? Hey, God, use me. And God says, all right, let me show you how much you must suffer for my namesake. And Paul suffered greatly. But in the midst of all of his suffering for the gospel, he suffered for a good thing. uh, Many times Paul wasn't suffering because of his bad decisions. He was suffering because he was preaching the gospel in a hostile land. And, And as the gospel was going forward, the mission was going forward, Paul had to face trial after trial after trial after trial. We're going to hear about some of those in just a minute. But through all of it, he was still able to maintain his joy. And that's, that's just so rare today. He was still able to, to maintain a joy in the midst of the chaos. And we're going to pick up where Paul is now imprisoned uh, as a result of the gospel. He's uh, uh, stated to, to stand a trial in Rome before Caesar. But in order to go from Jerusalem to Rome, Paul has to take a boat. And so we find himself... On the way to Rome, on a boat, in Acts chapter 27, go with me there if you would. Acts chapter 27, verses 9 and 10. And it says this, we had lost a lot of time. Now, they had already been fighting some strong winds and waters. But the weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. And Paul spoke to the ship's, to the ship's officer about it. He said, men, I believe there's trouble ahead. He said, I see shipwreck, loss of cargo, Danger to our lives. It doesn't look good. Paul said, hey, I'm perceiving something that you need to pay attention to. Paul said, there's some red flags, guys. Paul had already experienced a couple of shipwrecks, so he, he had um, some experience underneath his belt. But many scholars believe that Paul is using prophetic language. 
Meaning, they're, they're, this word in the original Greek, to perceive that there's trouble, or I believe that there's trouble, is, is Paul is, is concluding based on past experience, but, but as if God is using that to communicate some red flags and some warnings about the journey ahead. And so, so how many of you guys have ever known that something is the will of God, but then the experts say something different? And they say something that's contrary to the will of God, and it may, you know, work really well in experts' fields. Like, for instance, uh, when Jesus told Peter, he said, hey, Peter, I want you to go cast your nets into the deep. Now, as a fisherman, Peter had been fishing all night, and they hadn't caught a thing. And every fisherman on the Sea of Galilee knows that you don't catch fish in the day in the deep. You catch them at night in the shallow. And so what God was calling him to do was, was contradicting the, uh, the, the expert was contradicting Peter in that moment. God was calling him to do something that contradicted the normal practices in regards to fishing. And so here Paul is saying, hey, listen, guys, I know you guys are experts, but it's not going to be good. But, man, that's a, bad, that's a bad but. He says, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and to the owner rather than Paul. And I don't blame this guy. And so many times we do this as well, don't we? Like, like we want to rely on God until something practical comes along. And then we're like, oh, I'm going to take that out. But we start to see the motivation of these guys of why they were so eager to get out of this, this harbor. It goes on to say, and since Fairhavens was where they were docked, was an exposed harbor. I mean, it wasn't a comfortable place. It was a poor place to spend the winter, and most of the crew wanted to go to Phoenix, further up the coast of, of Crete, and spend the winter there. It was much better in Phoenix than it was in Fairhaven. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southeast, southwest and a northwest exposure. And so the bottom line was they're looking at, we don't want to spend our time in Fairhaven. It's not comfortable. It's just not a great place to spend the winter. Let's just push the envelope. Paul's like, man, listen, I know this is an uncomfortable place, but you don't want to push the envelope. Like it's already in the fall. Like, like a storm could sweep up in a moment's time. But they saw opportunity. You know, sometimes when God calls you to a place of discomfort, it does not mean that you're outside of his will. Sometimes we mistake that, that God's will is always comfortable. Like, and, and sometimes as pastors, we don't make it any easier because, you know, sometimes when you read between the lines, it can sound like, hey, come to Jesus and everything's going to be great. And, and that, there's, there's truth to that, but it's not without pain and hardship and it's not without all these different things. In the midst of it, it's great. But it doesn't take away from the fact that sometimes God calls us to uncomfortable places. And even though it's not our, our, our first pick, like, we just don't want to be. Who wants to be in Fairhaven? Man, I don't want to be in Fairhaven. You want to be in Fairhaven? No, I don't want to be in Fairhaven. But, but Paul's like, listen, listen, just trust me on this. Just because you're in an uncomfortable place doesn't mean that you're outside of the will of God. Just because you're in the midst of the storm. Listen, some storms are, 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 as a, are a consequence uh, as a result of our decisions and consequences as a result of sin. But then again, there's sometimes you could be in the perfect will of God, and it's hard. It's rough. And so these guys, you know, they wanted to avoid comfort or they wanted to avoid difficulty. And I think sometimes in our attempt to avoid difficulty and pursue comfort, it can actually make life worse and more complicated. Because when, when, we're, when, when comfort is the goal, many times we'll find ourselves driven by desire rather than led by the Spirit. Driven by desire rather than led by the Spirit. Let me say it this way. If comfort is Lord, you will always look for opportunity over obedience. When comfort is Lord, you will always look for opportunity over obedience. And that's exactly what these guys found. The passage continues and it says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. It's almost like, like in that moment, like they looked at Paul like, Told you, man. Look how beautiful this is. It's a great day. Come on, guys. Hoist the sail. Let's get out of here. We're, we're going to Phoenix. Paul's like, oh, no. I don't know. Isn't that how storms come, though? It could be in a great season. And then all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, bam. I mean, the sun could be shining. The next thing, you, I mean, just your life is discombobulated. 
and you're trying to figure out and find your way. It's crazy. You know, the, the Bahamas, I mean, you could imagine how, how beautiful it is there. And then, again, just in a moment's time, the game changes. This is the biggest storm that they've ever faced, and I believe, in the history of that country. And it's just, you, just, you, you, you can't plan for these things sometimes. Sometimes it's, 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 it's unpredictable. We find ourselves caught by the storm. And it, it goes on to say that before long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the islands. And the ship was caught by the storm. Now, now this word caught in the Greek, it actually, actually means to be seized by force. And it says that, that they, they could not head into the wind because it was like they were, they, were, they were face to face with the storm. And the storm said, nope, can't do it. Face to face, literally in the original language, it, it, it has this notion of face to face with the storm. And the storm said, Mm-mm. By, by violent force, I'm, I'm taking you. I'm taking you, swept. And, it's, and it goes on to say that, that so they gave way to it and were driven along. See, I think in storms, a lot of us, we have a little bit of fight in us in the beginning, don't we? Like, man, it's all right face to face with this storm. Let's go. And then all of a sudden you're like, let's go. And then you're like, you row. I'm tired. And listen, in all honesty, there comes a point many times where we may not abandon God, but we start to abandon other things. We just get so tired. Like, man, I, I've been praying, I've been seeking, I've been counseling, I've been X, Y, and Z, and it just still, by force, just feels like I'm just being driven. It's in that moment that at some point we just give way to it. It's no longer, hey, you row. It's just everybody's tired. It's just like, man, let's just, let's just go. And the next thing you know, the, the storm is, is controlling everything. It's controlling the outside, and now it's controlling the inside, and you're just being driven. And it's just, and you, you can't get your bearings. You can't see. It's, it's dark. You're exhausted. You're winded. And then you start to say things like, I'm just done. I'm done. I can't. I just, I, I, I just can't do it. I just feel like I, I, just, I just can't keep pressing. You give way to the storm, and then you start abandoning things that actually matter. Look what it says. It goes on to say that we took such a violent battering from the storm the next day that they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day... They threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So so when you've just been violently just battered and bruised, you just start throwing stuff overboard. Forget this relationship. I just can't. I'm done. My hope, overboard. You know what? My attitude, I'm tired. You just start throwing things. My values, doesn't matter. My purity, doesn't care. My integrity, Overboard, just I'm just tired. I'm just trying to survive. And, and the hard part is, is, is we're throwing over things that matter. And, and we're, we're trying, like we're doing our best, and, and we're trying to navigate the best we can, but with our own hands, we just we find ourselves in such a discombobulated place, such a difficult spot. All of a sudden it doesn't feel like you, and you just you're just doing stuff that's so out of your character, just throwing things overboard. And I think the hard, the hard part about this is it, it, it says that when, the, the, when neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days and the storm continued to rage. That word continued is like what you don't want to hear in the midst of a storm. Like that's the worst when the storm just keeps going. It just continues to rage. You know, as, it, as this uh, hurricane swept through the Bahamas, I was blown away to hear that it only went about 25 miles in 24 hours. So that means it just settled and just battered, just nice and slow, right through the region. 
It's like we, we love when those storms just kind of breeze by. Yeah, there's damage, but when it's slow and it's just powerful, and then all of a sudden it's just in those minutes, you just, you just can't see, and it can happen in a moment. There was a gentleman that had his little doorbell camera. He wasn't at his house, but he was in the Carolinas because some tornadoes were like a spinoff of, of the storm. I know that's not really in the news a whole lot, but you just watch his house. It was like a beautiful day, and all of a sudden, just lights out. By the God's grace, they weren't there. But you just, it just, you never know. And, and, and couldn't see any light anymore, and, and they couldn't see the sun. There was no stars that continued to raise, and they finally gave up all hope of being saved. And I just wonder how many of you today, you may not be in a major storm, but there might be one area of your life right now that you've given up hope that it could be saved, that you've given up hope that God could actually do something with the remnants of what's left. Because God may not, uh, you know, the, the, the situation may not be completely rectified, but, but sometimes God can take all that broken pieces and do something beautiful and make another masterpiece with all the brokenness. That's just what he does best. But when it's dark, and if you're here and you're like, man, it's, it is dark. I, I'm trying. There are some areas like that. Maybe every area feels like that for you today. Can I just tell you that you are in a great place today? Because there are a lot of men and women here who love you, who care about you. You don't have to travel. You don't have to journey by yourself. But more importantly, God knows you're in this place today. That God set you up for such a time as this because he wants you to learn some things about getting caught in a storm. And so a couple things I want to share with you. Because what we don't know, we don't know what we don't know. And so the first thing about storms that you need to know, that I need to know is this. Number one, they're coming. Yeah, so if you're you know, here today and you want to live your whole life trying to avoid difficulty, you're going to be so disappointed. Man, I'm just trying to play it safe and it's still coming for you. Right? <laughs> Come on, you're negative, Pastor. I'm not. I'm really positive. I'm just telling you that I'm really positive. They're coming. <laughs> and I want you to be ready. And Jesus didn't play games with us. Like Jesus told us these things. The, the famous passage of Jesus when it comes to storms and tribulation, every pastor loves to preach this one. But I want to give you a little bit more insight into it. It's uh, John chapter 16, verse 33. It says, I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Another word for this is tribulation. But take heart or be of good courage because I have overcome the world. What's interesting is when you look into the, the original language, I love looking into the original language. Listen, it is so much better to study your Bible than just to read it. And so, so when you look in the original language, this word trouble or tribulation, it actually means inward pressure. Inward pressure. And this take courage, it means inward confidence. See, a lot of times we, we look at tribulation or trouble as just being something on the outside. But what Jesus is saying is there's going to be a lot of, you know, chaos on the outside that's going to try to bring an inward pressure. But if you can process that with me, if you're doing life with me, if you can process that pressure with me, it can translate from an inward pressure to an inward confidence. Because I've overcome this world. I'm sovereign over all things. Nothing catches me by surprise. But how we process is huge. Can I just let you know that storms are coming? Number two, if you're taking notes, jot this down. Storms are sudden. Just out of nowhere, in a moment. Here it is. It's like, okay. And sometimes storms come not only suddenly, but they come back to back to back. I remember being in Mexico. I was trying to help some girls, uh, uh, trying to actually save them um, from the, the ravaging waves in Cabo. And, and, like, I can swim, right? And so I go out there, no match for the ocean. I just get beat up. And I'll just never forget, I felt wave after wave just plummet me until it spit me out on the shore. It was just like, oh, I can't breathe. I mean, it was just, you know, trying to do something heroic but just getting beat up. Anybody know what it feels like just to get hit? Bam, bam, back. To back, to back. Nobody. It's awesome. You guys, you guys are doing good. So good. But look with Jeremiah. Jeremiah understands where I'm coming from because Jeremiah says disaster follows disaster. He said the whole land lies in ruins. In an instant my tents are destroyed and my shelter in just a moment. They come suddenly. 
Three, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Storms don't play favorites. Even though it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? Like, man, how come they're not going through it like I'm going through it? But storms don't play favorites. Like, we're, we're all battling at some level. We've all had to wrestle at some level. You know, people like to say, hey, you're either in a storm, you're coming out of a storm, or one's on its way. Right? I love to believe that, hey, God does give a little bit of reprieve sometimes, right? How many of you guys are grateful for those seasons? Prepare because it's coming, right? But, but storms don't play favorites. They're impartial. And so let me just let you know that if you're in a storm right now, you're not by yourself. One of the lies that the enemy loves to bring is that just somehow you're just all alone and the storms just love you. And it's just not real. And a lot of times it keeps us isolated. It keeps us away from others. It keeps us from talking about what we're wrestling through and going, going through um, on the journey. They're not partial at, at all. Look, look, what, look what the scripture says. that He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And sometimes, can I just remind you that your storms aren't always connected to something that you do. Sometimes they are. Can I get an amen? They're just, they're sudden. They don't play favorites. And it doesn't always determine, it's not always because you've made a bad decision. You know, Jesus' disciples came to him at one point. They said, hey, Jesus, this guy is blind. Who sinned, him or his parents? Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Neither of them. This is just because we live in a broken world. It's fractured as a result of sin, like I said. And we're subject to these things. Nobody gets a pass. I don't get a, a pastor's pass from storms. I just don't. Nobody gets a pass. You're going to have trouble in this life. It, it's, it, it's coming. And it's sudden sometimes. Storms don't play favorites. But this is good news. Take a note, shot this one down. Storms are temporary. Storms are temporary. They're not going to last forever. Everybody take a breath. <sighs> All right. Storms, they're, they're temporary. Sometimes, though, it doesn't, it never feels like they're temporary. When you're in the thick of it, it does not feel like that. Are you with me? It feels like it's going to last forever. And because we think it's going to last forever, so many times we're just quick to give up. We're just quick to start throwing cargo, more cargo, just, just start throwing things off the ship. But can I just tell you, listen, if you're in a storm and things have just been disastrous, can I just tell you that there's still so much more at stake that's important that you do not quit. You may have lost a lot, but there's still more at stake that you cannot afford to lose. Are you, are you hearing? Somebody needs to hear that today. So the writer of Hebrews encourages us and says this, says, so do not throw away your confidence. Interesting. See, you're going to process your confidence one or two ways. You're going to put your confidence in the storm, in the trouble, in the tribulation, or you're going to put your confidence in, in God, in his word, in his sovereignty. You're going to place it in one, one spot or the other. But it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For just in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Can I just tell you, God's delay does not mean his denial. So hang on. And my righteous ones will live by faith. So I'm not telling you just to kind of put your confidence and just endure in, in kind of some whimsical hope. No, no, no. He says the righteous live by faith as it rests in the character, in the life, in the death, in the resurrection, in the confidence of the God that created all things. My life, my heart, my everything lies in his hands. Not a whimsical hope, but faith in the one who was, who is, and is to come. That, that, that's different than a whimsical hope. So, so it, it sounds, because when I, when I say this, you're like, oh man, just put my faith. No, 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 no. It, it has to be anchored for it to be real confidence in the one who has the power to do all things. So the question begs is, is what do we do when we're there? Like, this is great. Thanks for the, the lesson. But what do I do when I'm there? And there's a couple things that I'm going to flesh out for you over the next couple of weeks. But today I just, I just want to hit one. And we've been pounding on this reality of, of God's word over the last seven weeks. And I don't, I don't feel like it's coincidence. I feel like God has us leaning into this moment for a reason. I believe that 
the days and the times that we're living in, so many people are biblically illiterate, even in the church, that they don't have anything to hold on to when they need it the most. Are you tracking with me? So we cannot be a biblically illiterate church. Like, we have to know. And if you're like, this is my first time, it's okay. But, but our heart is that you grow more and more into the knowledge of God's word, of his beauty, of his love, of his majesty, of his heart for you. Because as you grow closer to him, all of a sudden God begins to illuminate himself in such a way and the spirit of God begins to transform us as we behold his glory and makes us more and more into the image of the sun so that when the days are getting darker and darker, our hearts are getting brighter and brighter and there is a stability that the world craves that we have and we get to let our light shine in the midst of. And that was Paul. That was Paul. That was who he was. So, so Paul, how, how did Paul do this? And what do we need in the midst of a storm? I'm just going to give you one thing today. What do we need? Take notes, jot this down. Is we need a word in the wind. We need a word in the wind. We need a word from God to hold on to in the midst of the beating, if you would. See, see you, you got to understand, Paul... He had something. He had something in the midst of the storm. All the, and it shifted the whole atmosphere after this happened. Whole atmosphere. Like, like Paul was confident in God. Paul knew. But, but this, was, this wasn't just for Paul. This was for the other, other guys that were on the ship. And look what happened as they were traveling. All of a sudden, Paul said this. He says, but now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. For last night, an angel of God, of the God whom... I belong and whom I worship stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. Paul, come on, that's some great words in the midst, right? He says, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Come on, it pays to have friends. It pays to have friends. And so, so Paul gets this word in the wind. Now, remember, this is not like, hey, guys, you're like, no, this is, this is a hurricane on the sea. And so they're being tossed. It's dark. You heard it. They can't see. They haven't eaten for about 14 days. I mean, this is not like Paul just gets this word, you know, in the middle of the night and, you know, the seas are great and just a little bit of, you know, turbulence. No, like, like, like they're dying. And God meets them in that space. See, see a, a word in the wind, it, it could be a promise from the scriptures that, that God has so graciously given to us that many times we just do not take advantage of. Right? God has a way of, 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 of drawing us. God has a way of meeting us in our time of need. And there's, there's, there's got to be a passage. I mean, you can buy promise books where you can just look at a promise for everything you're going through in life. That's the day that we live in. I mean, there's access to the promises of God. Um, you can find them for stress, for difficulty, for pain, for sickness. I mean, you can find scripture for all of that. But how many times do we actually lay a hold? But, but a word from God can also come in, in a different form. It could come maybe through a prophetic word or a word that, that God gives to somebody for you that is still in complete alignment with Scripture. Not something weird, but something that's in complete alignment with Scripture. Many of you guys know that when I first came to Jesus, my first three years were horrible. And, and God knew what was about to hit my life, and it was just like the perfect storm. I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I have three years of it un imaginable anxiety. I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad I would get sick. I would throw up because I, my brain was just, I was just tormented. Like my, my, my mind would not shut off. I remember I sat at a desk at the job that I had at the time. I worked at a bank. I was never meant to work at a bank. And I sat behind the teller. My brain was just like, and I would try to open up God's word and I just couldn't. It's just the wind was blowing. I couldn't see. And I remember being at a small group. It's not a shameless plug. It's a true story. But this is why I'm so passionate. I remember being at a, at a small group and this woman where I never told anybody what I was going through. My, I think my mom was the only person that knew. And, and I, was, I was in this small group and this woman comes up to me after we, we get done. She says, um, can I pray for you? I said, yeah. She puts her hand on my head and she said, young man, you are having a horrible battle in your mind. And the Lord said that they're all lies. 
but he knows and he sees, and a season of joy is on the horizon. Can I just tell you, in that moment, it was like a breath. I didn't even care the fact that I still had anxiety. It was just like, God, you see me? God, you know. You know. And then there was a word in the wind that a season of joy was on the horizon. Didn't contradict God's word. Wasn't outlandish or something weird. It was no, it spoke right to my situation right in that moment. Can I just tell you, that didn't come in year one. That came in year three. But the whole time, other than that, I was just showing up. Showing up to church, watching everybody else like cry, just have this joy. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I, I thought at one point, like, God, maybe you just like, maybe you just abandoned me. Maybe I'm just like destined to be apart from you. Right? I was just it was so many lies going on in my head, such a, a turbulent time. It was demonic. It was crazy. And I didn't even know why. But can I just tell you, man, in that, in that moment, it was like a breath of fresh air. I got a word in the wind. So I, I just kept showing up, kept showing up to church, kept showing up to small group, kept serving students, just kept doing it. I wasn't a pastor yet. I was just volunteering, still going to work, just, just kept showing up and crying out to God at night. I'd be on my floor. My mom could attest to this. I'd just be pounding on the ground like, God, where are you? I'm gonna, and I just rendered in my heart that, God, even though you slay me like Job says, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm just, I'm, and I can't, I know too much. I can't go back. Like, you messed me up. I, I know too much. I can't go back to my old life. So I'm stuck in this storm, persevering and pressing. But can I just tell you that I learned the intimacy that came from that storm, nobody can take away from me. Because nobody could help me. No practical advice was working. And I just need you to know today, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, that God speaks in dark places. Does some of his greatest work in the dark. You know, when the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, guess where they did it? They did it in the dark. God does some of his greatest works in the dark. And God will speak in creative ways. He knows what you need. Now, don't use that as an excuse. Some people just chase words like, tell me something. I just need something. No, if you're not spending time in your Bible, you're not going to be able to discern if what people are telling you is actually true or accurate. But we can't nullify the gifts of the Spirit because prophecy is there to encourage the body to give us a word in the wind. And, and, and God does creative things. I mean, blind Bartimaeus, he was blind. It was dark. He couldn't see. And guess what? Jesus is passing by. How did he find out? The crowd. They were stirring things up. He said, what? what's happening? Oh, Jesus is passing by. What? And so what did he do? He begins to cry out. God heals him. You know how many times people have been driving past our church, and they just get this sense that they should just pull into this parking lot. One lady, she came in. Uh, she's not, she was not a follower of Jesus, not a Christian. She, she had this deep sense, I need to pull into this parking lot. And she was wrestling uncontrollably with fear. And guess what I was preaching on that day? So she steps in and she's sitting in there like, <laughs> like who are you people? And then she looks at my shoes. She's like, well, I guess he's kind of normal. He's got, ten, you know, some Jordans on. And you just, you just, God, God knows what you need. Remember in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha and his servant, they're surrounded by an army. Surrounded. And Elisha's servant comes up to Elisha and says, hey, man, uh, I guess it's over, right? Like, we're, you looking at what I'm looking at? We're surrounded. And Elisha looked at him and said, oh, man, come here. See, they look so strong, don't they? Yeah. Lord, give him revelation. Open his eyes so he can see who's really outnumbered. The Bible says that he opened up his eyes and he saw chariots of fire surrounding the outer army. Are you with me on that? Listen, sometimes, listen, sometimes you need, this is a plug for small groups, because sometimes you need people that are a little further along than you that, that can help you see from a different perspective, that can stand and say, hey, you're not thinking right right now. Let me pray with you that God would open your eyes so that you can see that it's not over. That God still has a, a, a plan in the midst of this. And I know we hate hearing that when we're in it. I don't want to hear God has a plan. I want out. Well, that's fine. You can want out, but you still need to know God has a plan. I mean, think about the disciples. They're in the, one of the worst storms of their life on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus comes out creatively, how? Walking on the water. They look, they're like, it's a ghost. And somebody's like, 
Oh, man, I think it's Jesus. He's walking on the what? He's walking on the sea. How many of you guys know they got a word in that moment for that wind? It was like, all right. Peter was like, all right, wind. He said, Lord, if that's you, call me. And I'll come to you. And Jesus said, man, come on, get out of the boat, Pete. And so all of a sudden, Peter was not even afraid of the storm anymore. He got a word in the wind. He stepped out and God caused him to walk upon the very thing that should have consumed him. Tribulation, inward pressure, take courage, inward confidence. How will you process the storm? Because it's imperative that you understand how. How? You need a word in the wind. This, this, is, this is the last one I want, I want to share with you, but this is, this, is, this is really close to home. You know, sometimes God even speaks through rocks. Like Jackie was speaking. She was preaching at a different church this last week, and, and she was just struggling. And I asked permission to share this because we like to share our stuff with you so you know that we're, we struggle too. And she, she was struggling, and she's like, God, I don't know if you have the right person. I'm not really sure. Like, God, surely you picked the wrong one. I'm not. And she's praying this in our kitchen. Now, let me rewind. So for my birthday, I, I turned 40 October 2nd. And so 40 days, 40 days before the actual date of my birthday, Jackie has arranged with a, a lot of people on our team and people at our church where I'm getting a present every single day for 40 days. It just shows up randomly. Like I walked into picking my kids from school, there's a present in the office. It's so super special. Well, my niece and, and, and Olga, her mom, gave me a, a bag of rocks. And on these rocks say, like, you know, faith and hope. And you can, 40 rocks. And we can just put them everywhere. And just as a reminder, there's scripture on there. Well, one of my kids got a hold of the rocks. And somehow, let me show you, put it in the kitchen. And so Jackie is crying out in this moment in the kitchen like, God, I don't know if I'm the one. She opens her eyes, looks down, chosen. The Bible says that even the rocks will cry out. So I thought, I thought afterwards, I'm like, man, either I missed it or one of y'all missed it. So God said, I need to use a rock to let this woman know that she is chosen. Like God knows what you need in the middle of the wind. Are you with me? And sometimes it's, it's so loud. It's so chaotic. It's wet. And so it's slippery. It's dark. And, and you have to really be intentional to listen in the wind because it's hard. And, and, and you can't hold on to everything in the wind. Like, you know, when there's a storm, you find one pole, and you just hunker down. Like, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to get my cheeseburger over here. You know what I'm saying? Hey, cook me up. You, no, you're just, you're just you're clinging for dear life, just getting beat up. But so many times we cling to one thing, but it's not him. It's not him. And so we just keep getting battered. You got to stay close in the storm. You got to stay close close in the storm. Look what Paul said. He said it this way. He said, I belong and I worship. Paul said, the God whom I belong, I'm not Lord of my life, he's Lord. And whom I worship, I don't have any idols. He is the God of my salvation. He is the one true living God that I've anchored my life to. What Paul said, I'm close. All you guys are freaking out, panicking, trying to figure out. I'm pressing in. I'm holding on. I'm crying out because I need a word in the wind. So it goes on to say, goes on to say, so keep up your courage, Paul told him. Men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. I love it how there's still a shipwreck. He got a word in the wind, but it wasn't that the storm was going to end. And it wasn't that their boat was going to survive. He said, you're going to live, but it's going to be messy. It's going to be tough. You will have trouble. But now all of a sudden for Paul, has an inward confidence, no matter what's happening outwardly, because he's choosing to process the storm with God and not question him. It's, it's a big difference. The other guys on the boat, they're still freaking out. And, and when Paul, I mean, imagine if somebody tells you this in the middle of your storm. Keep up your courage, man. Have faith in God. It'll happen just as he told me. Right? Look what God's word says. No, no, go back. Look what God's word says, right? But we will be shipwrecked on an island. So that you got to imagine these guys are like, hey, listen, scripture boy, we're trying to figure this out. <laughs> and you know you felt like that. Like, don't come at me with your scriptures, right? You man and woman of God. 
even, even those of us who are seasoned in our faith, and we think we know how to handle storms. Then a storm hits, and we're like, oh, gosh, what's going on? Right? We panic and freak out, and then somebody tries to give us the scripture. We're like, save your scripture. I'm trying to figure this out. And so, so, so Paul is, is not some superhuman here. He's just like these guys. It's just his focus is somewhere completely different. Paul is, is no different from these guys. And Paul's like, hey, we're, we're gonna, this boat's going to die, man. It's going to be a shipwreck. He's not superhuman. So how did Paul do it? See, on the journey, Paul has just learned some things walking with God. Let me, let me show you a famous passage. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, that passage gets so taken out of context. It's like, I can do all things through Christ. Right? Like that's not what the passage was about. Paul said, whether I have nothing or I have a lot, I've learned to be content. See, a lot of this, man, navigating storms is something you learn. You have to learn what it's like to trust God. How are you going to learn when you're in it? And you got to hold on. you got to find a word. See, Paul's already been through some shit. Right? He already knows God is sovereign. Paul should have died a long time ago. Paul's like, listen, I've learned that in all things, in every circumstance, is to be content. But, but he had to learn. You know, you know John Wooden, he tells his, his athletes, or he trains them, how to put on their socks. Over and over and over. Let me see how you put on your socks. Put on, put on your socks. And he does this because if the athletes don't put on their socks the right way, they'll get blisters. And it'll affect the whole game. So it seems really ridiculous. Just like sometimes somebody giving you a scripture in the middle of a storm can feel a little ridiculous. Put on your socks. Put them on again. Over and over and over. I think sometimes it's a little bit tough because we just don't take it personal. Like somebody will come and say, hey, look what God's word says about storms. Look what God's word says about stress. Look what God's word says about this. And, and we hear it. We're like, man, that's great. It's not for me. I just can't own it. I told you a couple of weeks ago how people, you know, in the promised land, they were holding the fruit of the promise but not owning it. Holding the fruit of the promise but not owning it. And how many of us, we own a Bible, but we don't own the promise. We own the Bible but we don't own the promises. Now, I know it's hard. I, I know, like, man, I just want the storm to stop. Yeah, me too. I don't, I don't like being in the midst of that either. But can I just tell you that Paul learned to trust the sovereignty of God. Because what you and I know that Paul didn't know is that there was an island that they were going to shipwreck on of people who desperately needed Jesus. Can I just say very humbly and respectfully, not trying to make light of your situation or storms or things that I'm facing and going through as well, but can I just tell you that sometimes your storm is bigger than you? And God sees a picture that you and I just don't see. So why was Paul so successful? Well, because no matter what happened externally, Paul was okay internally because he was focused eternally. And I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but I just don't know how eternally focused we are today, even in the church. We're so temporary-minded. Like, Paul would say things like, what you can see is temporary, but what you can't see is eternal. I'm fixing my eyes on things that I can't see, that I can't see. Paul was a guy that, 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 that fixed his eyes on what mattered most. Now, you guys got to understand, Paul had been through some stuff. He'd been stoned. And not for medicinal purposes, Paul had been stoned. He'd been shipwrecked, flogged. Some of you guys are like, you'll get it in the car. So, hey, some of you guys are just a tough crowd. You're just staring at me like either you're really getting it or like I've lost you like 10 minutes ago. But, but listen, some of you have been, listen, Paul was backstabbed. He was in prison. He was always on the move. He was in danger in the country and, and in the city. He was, you know, hunted down by both Jews and Gentiles. He knew what it was like to have no sleep and be hungry and thirsty. And, and he knew what it was like to have the pressures of the church on him on a regular basis. And Paul just said, in the midst of that, I've learned that I can do all things. 
because my eyes are focused not on what's temporary, because my eyes are focused on eternal. So it allows me to process things a little bit different than everybody else. And Paul was so consistent with this. So Paul would say things like this, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And I just think, man, it's, it's such a familiar passage of Scripture. And a lot of times we hear this passage like Paul's cape just blown in the wind. For me to live as Christ and die as gain. But this is how Paul lived his life. For me to live as Christ and to die as, you want to kill me? It's all good. Oh, you want me to, you going to let me live? I'm going to continue the mission. Paul's like, I win either way. Because not even death has a sting over me. Not, 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 even, not even all your plots and your ploys and not... I'm, I'm, I'm focused on eternity. And that's why I get stoned, left for dead, then I get back up and I go right back into a city because there's people that need Jesus. The storm is bigger than me. I just, I, I, I gotta keep going. There's still so much at stake. And so, so my question to you to do is, my question to you today is this, is do you, do you have a word for your wind? Do you have a word in this season of your life for your win. Because Paul, a, a, a person that lives their life like this, it's, it's very frustrating for the enemy. It's like, what are you going to do to me? Let's go. But Paul was just, his life was abandoned. He really wasn't his own. He just didn't preach it. It just wasn't his own. I belong to him. It's he who I worship. Not myself. Not my comforts. Not this world. It just makes life very simple. But it's such a hard thing to lay hold of sometimes because everything is fighting for our attention. Now, I was sitting with my girls the other night. I was preparing this message. Last thing I'll say, it's like, God is so funny. So we're, we're, we're trying to pray. We're trying to pray. And uh, it, was, it was nighttime and right before bed, and they're just not listening, right? I, I love for you to think my kids always listen, but they don't. And so, so they're just like, I'm like, and I always ask, you act like this at school? No. I'm like, come on. We're trying to play. This is important. This is what matters, girls. And you're just, you know, just distracted. And so finally we prayed and we, we got through. And I went back. I sat in my office. I was preparing this message. And the Lord says, sometimes I feel like that with you. I was like, for real? <laughs> like, like, I get no passes, right? And it's like the Lord just whispered to me saying, Sometimes I'm trying so hard to get your attention on what matters most. But you're so distracted by everything else. Fix your focus. Paul had his eyes set on eternity. And so as a result of that, he was able to live and silence the storm internally, no matter what was ha happening externally, because he was focused eternally. And he was able to stand in the midst of and lead the way when everybody was panicked. Can I just tell you that God has a word for your wind? God has a word for your wind. And I don't know what form or shape that he's going to meet you in that place, but can I just tell you, press in. Hold on to the one thing that matters most.